Good evening and welcome to Steadfast. I am so glad to be with you tonight as we celebrate the third day of Christmas. Merry Christmas. Now you might say, but Tim, Christmas was several days ago. I should just warn you that it's not going to discourage me. I just have to wish you Merry Christmas all the more then because there's still so much more to celebrate. We have such a wonderful God. And we're going to be thinking over the next couple of weeks, actually three weeks, thinking about how we carry the joy of Christmas forward into the new year, that we don't just pack it up like we pack up decorations, but we focus on what God has done, and that empowers us to be able to do the things that God has for us in 2022. So that's what we have planned. I can't wait to share it with you. I can't wait to dig into God's word with you. So let's come before our God, ask that he guide this process, and then we'll jump in. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness this day and every day. Thank you for being with us, not just on Christmas Day, not just on a Christmas 2,000 years ago, but right here, right in this moment, wherever we might be as we gather together electronically, Lord, we know that you were there with us. Lord, would you help us to, to hold on to the peace that you offer us, to be able to sense your leading in the things that we do. To feel your love in every moment of the day. We know that you are faithful and loving beyond all of the things that we could possibly imagine. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think probably more of us than usual had some sort of trouble this Christmas getting packages to arrive on time. Or... Maybe if you went to the store, getting something because they were having trouble getting things to arrive on time. And so there's this anticipation, is it going to make it? Is it going to make it? And, and of course, that's always a part of the Christmas season is we're shopping for people. And, and say you go to Amazon or, or Walmart and they have the little table of here's the day you need to order by. And then there's a little note on the product page, will arrive by Christmas, will arrive after Christmas. And, and so you're filled with this anticipation, is it going to make it? But imagine if it did make it. You, you order something that's just a perfect gift for someone, and, and you're so overjoyed that it's going to come, and it arrives, and as it arrives, you run out to the delivery person and say, I don't want it, send it back. The package, the gift, needs to be carried forward to the person whom it's intended for, whom you picked it out for. The joy wasn't just in finding it, but it's in giving it to that person and sharing it and and soaking up the memories that we made as it's given and so on. And if you just told the UPS or FedEx person to take it back, something would be lost. And yet sometimes that's what we do with Christmas itself, if you think about it. We, we look forward to it, we build up to it, and we get to Christmas Day, and then we basically return to sender. And we reset. And... Some of that comes from all the things we're going through in life. Certainly the last couple of years have worn in a very difficult way on almost all of us. I don't think anyone could have imagined what years like 2020 and 2021 would look like, how, how we would process it, all these sorts of things. And, and so perhaps maybe that's part of it, that, that we want to just close the book and just move on. And yet, as we look to move on, if we, if we don't carry that joy forward and we don't share that joy with others, but we just move on to whatever, we're going to go into it with our own strength and without God's peace. And as we see in Scripture time and again, 
What we desperately need is God's peace in these moments. His joy, the very things that we celebrate at Christmas. It's why I love the 12 days of Christmas, because it, it, it says pause and reflect and soak in what we celebrated on Christmas Day. Don't pack it up. When it finally does come time to take down the decorations, don't take down the joy of Jesus in the midst of it, but carry him forward. And things are going to keep happening that keep running right at us and, and call us to, to just forget that joy and that peace. But what we see in the Psalms that time and again are, are times where the different psalmists are struggling with things that try to chip away at their peace and their confidence in God. But they call us to redirect our thoughts. And in this case, I, I think what it would say is to carry the thoughts that we had just a couple days ago when we were singing of peace and joy and goodwill to men and hang on to it into this new year. So let's go ahead and look at Psalm 13, where David writes this. And this is David struggling through something really horrible. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Whatever we're going through, whatever we've been going through, whatever we might face in 2022, if you're going through a difficult time or if you've been through difficult times like we all have, there are times where we want to cry out, How long, O Lord, too? And if we come screeching out of the Christmas season into one of those times. And so often it seems like it, those really joyful times end up getting cut short because something bad happens. And as we want to cry out, how long, O Lord? The risk is that we're going to forget God's peace. The risk is we're going to forget the joy, the, the wonder, God's love that we celebrate at Christmas time. And throughout scripture, we see example after example of, of even faithful followers of the Lord who at some point forget the peace that he offers them, forget the strength that he gives and turn and look at themselves. And when they do, they end up stumbling. For example, we, we talked a few months ago about Moses and that infamous incident where the Israelites are grumbling against him and against the Lord. And so he... he he focuses on himself and he focuses on how he's being rejected. And in doing that, then he's disobedient to God. He forgets God's peace. And then everything just starts to seem to crumble from there. He won't ultimately go into the promised land because he was focused on his own strength. Other times it, it doesn't have that dire end per se, and yet it feels like it in the moment. For example, Elijah, after he confronts all the false prophets and shows the full glory of God, then here's how there's a bounty on his head. And he runs out into the wilderness. He runs out into the wilderness to try to escape it because while he's seeing God demonstrate his power mightily, at that moment all he can see is, I'm this man who's being opposed by the, the queen, who's incredibly powerful, and I can't withstand her power. And so he forgets the, the joy and the peace that he has in the Lord, and he starts to look inward, and it doesn't look good. We see that in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9. It says that he came to a cave and lodged in it. 
And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. They seek my life to take it away. Notice what happens here. Elijah has had the literal mountaintop experience. He was on a mountaintop seeing God act in amazing ways. Sort of like, in a sense, I think, for most of us, at least when, when we're right in the midst of Christmas celebrations and we're, say, on, at Christmas Eve service and we see the beautiful candle lighting and, and we're reflecting on the promises of God with us and, and what that means and how the angels are singing and so on, for a moment it feels like everything is good and strong because God has made it hold together and it feels right. And then if you had a good Christmas, and I hope you did, it, it feels like everything just kind of comes together for the moment. And that's where Elijah was moments before that. God had made it unequivocally clear that he was God and Baal was not. And yet, then Elijah has to figure out what to do next. Whether it's rejoicing in God's promises together with the body of Christ at a Christmas service, or, or whether it's seeing something like Elijah did actually happening in real time before him, the challenge is much the same. What do we do with what we see God doing when we go on afterwards? It's a real challenge. The Apostle Paul himself struggled with this challenge. We, he talks about in Second Corinthians, uh, we don't know exactly what it was, but this thorn in the flesh that he was given, a messenger of Satan, he calls it. And he, he prays three times, he says. He comes to the Lord and says, please remove this from me. We don't know what it was, but we know it was something that really bothered Paul. It was humiliating. It was troublesome. Now what do you do? What do we do in those moments? What do we do when we just start to wear out? It's easy when everything's going right and good and, and we're excited and we're celebrating. Maybe, maybe we're sort of like these snowmen. Now, I have a number of snowmen inflatables here. And you'll see the one over on the left. He's being held up by an old basketball net. He, he's gotten kind of worn and He's sort of tattered and he can't hold enough air to hold himself up. But he's looking up and, he, okay, so he looks a little tired, but he also looks sort of like he's dancing. This, this is good. It, it's, it's Christmas time. And maybe that's how you felt like you came into the Christmas season. You're a little worn and tattered from, from just life or, or maybe it's a particular event in life, something that's left you feeling that way. But you felt like you got to Christmas Day and you're sitting up and, and you're ready and it's joyful. But the real question is, what happens next? Because the snowman, just a few hours later, clearly had grown exhausted. He was just worn out. As you can see, he, he's just leaning over. All the air has been taken out. And in some sense, we do that to ourselves at Christmas time. We move on and we take the air out. But, but even if we try to hold on to it, life seems to just take that air out and soon we're just as exhausted as that snowman. And 
that's a metaphor perhaps for the Christmas season where we just go finally get to the, the celebration in the day and then we're exhausted afterwards. But it's also often a metaphor for our lives because we, we grow exhausted. We get those mountaintop moments, those moments where we see God working and we feel excited and, and we feel God's peace. But the challenge is holding on to it when, when those thorns in the flesh come into play. When, when we see God working, in, but there are people that put a price tag on our head like Elijah. And usually it's maybe not quite that dramatic, but maybe in our own minds it feels just as dramatic because it's painful. And, and we start to question, is God even leading us anywhere? Yes, we, we just hail the newborn king that's come into the world. And, and yes, we, we, we theologically know that, that the newborn king becomes the grown-up Messiah king who's both God and man, and that king still reigns today. But are we confident that he's actually leading today? Are we confident that when he calls us and he's leading us to places, that he's really there? And sometimes when we start to, to get to that place and we start to, to become discouraged and we start to look inward and we start to do our own thing, for a little while it actually seems better. Moses, when, when he ignores what God's told him to do and, and just does something else, he, he taps a rock twice and water comes out. God still allows the water to come out. Even as he's focusing on how the people are rejecting himself and he's not doing what God had called him to do. He's not presenting the holiness of God to the people. It, it appears for the moment that Moses taking his anger into his own hands has worked well and his popularity with the people was probably going up even as he was failing to do what God's called us to do but it has a cascading effect. It has a cascading effect for Moses. For Paul, it could have been the challenges as he was interacting with the different peoples that he was discipling. You see, Paul had had some amazing experiences, if you think about it, lots of amazing experiences. He'd been called by Jesus in a way that we normally don't experience. He's on the road to persecute the church. And what does Jesus do? Jesus calls to him. And Paul goes through this amazing experience of actually directly hearing from Jesus. And then while he's shut down from doing anything for a few days, then he has the people of God led by the Holy Spirit brought right to where he's staying. And, and, and he's healed and he's taught and he learns more about who Jesus is. But then it goes on beyond that. Beyond that, Paul then has additional visions where he's brought up into heaven, he says. And he, he can actually interact with Jesus. He, he could easily have started to think, well, I'm a pretty special guy. Sort of like in that moment, Moses is sort of thinking, well, I'm the guy that all this rests on. And both of them had the possibility of losing their focus on God's peace and strength. And for a moment, Moses does. And Paul wasn't a perfect person, so it wouldn't surprise me if at times he did as well. But what we see here is that then he's allowed by God to go through this trial. He's allowed to, to face this discord in the midst of all the wonderful things that are happening. And he has to decide, does he wait? Does he try to fix it himself? Does he lose hope? What do we do when, when, when we feel like we've seen amazing things from God, but now we're waiting again? 
We've celebrated Christmas. We've seen, we've rejoiced in the miracles and the wonder of what God has done. But now we're waiting again. Because the thing is, in, in our celebrations of the year, if you think about it, in a way it sort of feels like we anticipate and anticipate, we celebrate Christmas, then we go back to waiting again. Because Jesus hasn't returned yet. And sometimes that waiting feels like it's for naught, that, that nothing good is going to come and fix that. Psalmist goes on in Psalm 13, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. What are we actually going to do? What are we going to do when we feel like everything is going wrong? What are we going to do just when we lose the warm glow of Christmas and we go back to January and February and March and April and May, or are we going to go and look inside ourselves again and say, I don't have the strength to fix this, and it seems like everything that is bad is triumphing. Whether it's individuals who intend me harm, whether it's just circumstances at work not going well, whether it's finances, whether it's relationships, whether it's just general discouragement. What are we going to do? We looked last night on This Week at Little Hills. We wrapped up our series 52 verses and 52 books and 52 weeks by looking at Deuteronomy and, and Moses' end of his life. I want to go back there for a second to Deuteronomy 34. That verse once again says, And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes. But you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Moses waited and waited. He lived 120 years. He never experiences the promised land. Sometimes we feel like we never experience the promised land. We get close. On Christmas, we get really close. We, we see the beauty of what God is doing, and yet then it feels like, just move on. Moses' case, he, he dies at that point. He never goes into the promised land. We wait and wait, and then things are just bad. I, I love Christmas dinner. It's, it's one of my very favorite dinners of the year. I love everything about it. And, and it was funny, actually, back on Thanksgiving, my family, we were talking about how you hear the horror stories about a, a turkey that turns out to be all green when you when you unpack it or something like that. The, and then what are you going to do? It's a holiday. And it's funny, we were talking about that, and then came the Christmas ham this year. And it turned out the ham was bad. Never had that experience before. But after waiting and waiting for this wonderful dinner, and it turned out to still be a very nice dinner, but after waiting and waiting, what do you have here? You have this ham that you've been anticipating You'd gotten it weeks ago. You, you could see the promised land coming in this beautiful silver wrap package. And yet when it was opened, it didn't smell right. It didn't have the right texture. There was something just not right about it. Then what do you do? Do you lose hope? Well, hopefully you don't eat it. Certainly that. But what do we do when it feels like we've been waiting and waiting in life and we're handed a bad ham? Moses and Paul, and Elijah, and so many other figures in the Bible have to contemplate the same thing. 
What are they going to do? Is it just going to be a bad ham and then it's over? Moses has the bad ham of just getting to see the promised land but then dying? That's not the end for Moses. It's not the end for Elijah when he's out in the wilderness. In fact, we're told at the transfiguration when when Jesus is there with his disciples, what happens? He converses with them, with Moses and Elijah. It means they go into God's presence and then they get to see the fulfillment, not of just some land, but of the promised one who makes every bit of land new again in the new heavens and new earth. They get to meet him. For Paul himself, it's, in some sense, maybe it feels a little bit backwards because as we see in 2 Corinthians 12, 1-3, he gets to meet Jesus before things get harder. Notice what he says in verses 1-3. to He says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Now, Paul's describing himself there, and this is one of those visions that I was referring to earlier. Paul gets to be caught up and actually go into heaven. He gets to experience it. He doesn't know exactly the mechanics of how it works, but wow, what a wonderful, amazing thing to experience. And yet, and yet, then he's given that thorn in the flesh, messenger of Satan. And it, it, maybe at times in his mind he thought, but God, I, I, I've had this mountaintop experience. I've actually come into your presence in heaven. Why this? Why now? But here's something that Paul knows. The story's not done. And because of what happened at Christmas, we get to see more in the future. And so he says, what we need to do right now is to rest in his grace. We see that as he goes on after talking about that thorn. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, The Lord said to, to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. Paul says, you know what about that messenger of Satan, that thorn in the flesh, that that thing that, that even as I'm praying about it and praying that God would somehow take it away from me, you know what's true about it? God's using it. Paul doesn't say it's good. He doesn't say it wasn't really a messenger of Satan. It was a messenger of God. He doesn't say that. What does he say? He's told by the Lord, rest in me, rest in my grace. And as you rest in his grace, Paul says, as he rested in Jesus' grace, then he gets to experience more of it. He says, yes, I've had these amazing visions in the past, but you know what? If all I had was that, if all I had were these stunning things that I could impress you by talking about, what would happen? I'd become conceited. He says that twice. Because he knows his human heart. 
If all he had was this amazing encounter with Jesus and he'd say, look, you lesser mortals that haven't had those sorts of experiences with Jesus, listen to me, I'm amazing. Paul's reminded that his strength isn't his own. That even those encounters with Jesus aren't because of himself and his own glory. So it is that he uses that kind of weird phrasing where he talks about knowing a man who's seen these things. He doesn't even want to put his name to it. Because he says, it's really about what Jesus has done. It's not about what I've done. And, And he says, in that then, I'm encountering Jesus more fully through all the hardships I go through. Because in that, I can see of my own strength, I'm not going to make it. But he has God's peace. He has the peace that that was ushered in when Jesus was born into this world, that the angels sang about that would come to us. He has that peace. And so, even as his own strength is torn apart, even as he's humiliated by whatever is going on, and and he, he can't become conceited because of this thorn in the flesh, does he know? He knows that God's grace is sufficient for him and that it's there for him and that he doesn't have to get through it on his own. I think a lot of times we mentally know that, but we don't actually own that in our hearts. And so maybe this week you take down your Christmas decorations because you think, I just don't feel it. Christmas day was great. You start taking them down because you feel like, but I can't seem to pull my life together. I can't seem to to make everything right. And so I might as well just move on and see how somehow I can make some New Year's resolutions that will make life better. And we do that because we think it depends on me. I fall into this all the time where I think, if I can just get everything right, this, this ministry is going to do better. I'm going to be able to reach more people. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. What do we see in Scripture? Yes, we're called to action, we're called to do things, but where does the strength come from? Where does does everything come together at? It comes together in that peace and that strength that comes from the Lord, not in our own. When we're trying to do it on our own, we're like one of those birds that seems to show up inevitably every few years. You've probably had this experience. You know that that bird that decides that the, his re, or her reflection in the window is another bird, a rival bird, and so every morning you can't sleep in because, or you can't even sleep to your alarm clock because the bird, as soon as the, the sun starts to come up, just starts, bam, hitting the window over and over again, trying to get that reflection. You know what? That bird never gets the rival bird. The bird doesn't have the strength to get the rival bird. It's just going to bang its head into the wall. And I have to imagine if birds get headaches, that bird has a horrible headache all day after doing that. And we think... Doesn't that bird realize how foolish he or she's being? That That's just a reflection in the window. Quit banging into that window over and over again and please let me get some sleep. But here's the thing. We do that too. We do that every time we say, uh, uh, in my own strength, I'm going to make everything right. And every year as we go through Christmas and then somehow we, we sort of struggle with pulling together what happens next. We're banging our head into the window saying, I'm going to somehow make this new year better. That's why it's so good, I think, when we we marinate in these promises of God for a little longer. We, we celebrate the 12 days of Christmas because an interesting thing happens when we do. We go into the new year still celebrating Christmas. And 
that's really, really a wonderful thing. Because we should be celebrating Christmas all year long. We should be celebrating God incarnate, that he came into the flesh all year long. There shouldn't be a stop on that. And there certainly shouldn't be a stop as we go into a time when, when society says we should focus on ourselves and our own strength. We should just make some resolutions and then we'll use our own willpower and then we're going to get things done and everything's going to be great. Because when exactly has that ever worked? When does that work? I don't hear people say, wow, I made some New Year's resolutions and my life was changed and everything that was bad in my life is good now. Why doesn't that happen? It's because we're resting in our own strength. And then we just didn't get into the cycle where we say, but things still aren't good and I still see my enemies prospering. I still see life falling apart and I don't know what to do about it. What do we do about it? We look to God's grace. And that's what the psalmist wraps up Psalm 13 with in verses 5 to 6. David declares, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He doesn't say that because suddenly everything is right. That suddenly the things that he was crying out about in the first five verses of the psalm suddenly resolved themselves. There's no indication of that. This is a psalm written presumably in one sitting. So what changed? What changed is he's focusing on God's grace and his love and his mercy and his faithfulness. John Calvin, reflecting on David's experience in that psalm, says when he gets to that point where he, he forgets about everything bad happening and how he can't overcome it and says, I'm going to think about what God has done for me in the past. I'm going to reflect on that. Calvin says that David experiences just the pure grace of God. As we look to this new year, instead of resolutions, maybe what we should be thinking about is what aspects of our lives have we not been reflecting on the grace of God and how can we reflect more on God's grace? What areas do we need to let more of the light of Christmas into rather than shutting it off? And, and when we start to see that, then we start to have peace in God's leadership even when things don't seem to be quite coming together yet. And that changes our, our view of the world, our view of our leaders, our, our view of ourselves, our, our view of our churches. Allows us to have peace in hearing that God isn't going to fix everything, but his grace is sufficient for us as we wait, as we continue to wait for the day that God will fix everything. In our 12 Days of Christmas devotional, we're, we're going through the story of Simeon and Anna encountering the newborn Jesus. And if you think about them and how long they waited, and then after they encountered the baby, they were still waiting. What were they called to do? They were called to to reflect on this baby that couldn't yet fix anything and say, but, but God's grace is sufficient for me. I know he's fulfilling his promises and someday it's all going to be made right. And so they carried that forward and told everyone about what God was doing before it was even done. And that's what we're called to do too. Not to pack up the miracle of Christmas, but to take the new year, to forward it on to everyone else. Not to return the package to sender, but to go and unpack all that joy that God's been putting in there that we've been celebrating over the past few weeks and start handing it out to everybody that we encounter. And may that be our prayer tonight. That's my prayer for myself and for you, that we can unpack that joy and give people God's peace in the new year. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. Lord, too often we, we pack up the joy of Christmas, along with the decorations, we, 
we move on and we start focusing on our own strength again. We focus on New Year's resolutions. We focus on how we're going to make this next year healthier or happier or whatever it might be. But what we need to do is focus more on you. Lord, would you help us to hear you say, just as you said to the Apostle Paul, that your grace is sufficient for us. Would you help us to rest in it, to take whatever things are eating at us and challenging us and keeping us awake, and instead hold on to your peace in them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if this video has been an encouragement to you, I would sure appreciate it if you'd give it a like and maybe a share. There are lots of people who are leaving the Christmas season and going into the, these dark winter days and are going to be depressed. We know just on statistics that people often struggle with depression going into the new year. Share with them the God who's with them in that. Share with them the God who is there in every one of their struggles. I'm so grateful when you do. And I hope you'll come back here next week at 7 p.m. You can get the details of the series on our, our website, but we're going to be thinking next year about how we carry forward another part of that Christmas story, which is the belonging that God gives us. It's such an amazing thing that God says that we belong to him, and, and I hope you'll join me next week for that. In the meantime, we have so much going on. We have the 12 Days of Christmas devotional I've referenced throughout tonight. We're tracking along with it in this series, and if you haven't started yet, it's not too late. Again, you can go to our website. You can download that series. It's a free PDF, and there's a reading for each of the 12 days of Christmas. You can just jump into day three right now. And as you track with that, then these messages will also fit into that together. Also, there's O Christmas Stream, also linked to on the same page on our website, which is encouragement and devotionals and music and fireplace scenes and just wonderful Christmas celebrations going all the way until Epiphany, live streaming, 24 hours a day until then. I hope that you'll consider checking that out. And finally, please join us on Sunday night for a brand new This Week at Little Hills series. I'm going to be joined by, by Jim and Melanie and Jason. We're going to be talking about it on Sunday night. We're going to be going through all 150 Psalms in the new year, and I can't wait to see you in 2022 to do that. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week in the meantime, and I can't wait to see you again next week.